Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Such a presence of the Holy Spirit is hard to speak, but we're going to get to the word. Amen. Uh, Give him room. Let him have his way, right? We've been studying the book of Hebrews and having an amazing time, actually, uh, in the book. And so tonight, we're getting ready to conclude it. First week, Pastor Stani spoke on Moses and how he became a hero of faith. Second week in the study, Pastor Johnny encouraged us to level up to hero-level faith. So we've been hearing about faith. And so today, we're going to close the study by looking, uh, about, looking at where we are in our faith level. All right. We're going to do a little bit of evaluation. Uh, say with me, search me, Lord. Just say it, search me, Lord. It's uh, the whole point of today is that you would realize where you're at because we've been hearing a lot of good word, but we got to begin to put some practical application to it. Are you with me? All right. This list of Hebrews 11 that we are looking at and we've been reading and studying. Hebrews 11, the list of these heroes of the faith. I believe we don't have this list just so that we can admire the list. I believe we have the list so that we can imitate what's happening on the list. Do you believe it? Each person on the list is is super normal. They're very human. In fact, the person we're going to speak about tonight is... uh, what you would call very imperfect, right? But this list has less to do with who the people are and more to do with in whom they believed. It's less about those names and more about the God that they believed. But we get to see and read about what God was doing through these uh, very normal people, all right? Are there any normal humans in the house tonight? Yeah, okay, good. If you're uh, floating when you walk and you're so in the spirit that when you move, like people here, like that's awesome, but that's, that's not me. God bless you. Um, <laughs> we, I walk like on my regular two feet, right? Um, so I have a family of five, and uh, that means that our car gets dirty a lot. And so, yes, how many of you that have kids or children, like you, you know what I'm saying, right? It's hard to keep the, the car clean. I finally gave in to buy one of those car wash memberships. I don't know if you know about them, but anyway, um, I was looking the other day and thinking about this. When I bring my car to the entrance of that car wash tunnel, I have an expectation that that car, as it goes through it and it comes through the other side, is going to come out clean. I use faith to do, to do this, by the way. When I bring my car and I put it in the front, I have an expectation that there is dirt and dust that will remain in the middle part of that car wash, and I'm going to come out the other side shiny. I want you to begin to build your expectation as we approach the Word of God, because we need to approach it in the exact same manner. We come to the Word of God understanding that 
we need to expect that that word is going to be a soap, it's going to be a hammer, it's going to be a rock, it's going to be a fire, it's going to be a water. And we're going to come out the other side shiny and clean. Because the word washes us. So approach the word with expectation tonight. Can I get an amen on that? Tonight I want us to start at Hebrews 11 verse 6. Hebrews 11 verse 6. There's a powerful declaration in that verse. Hebrews 11:6. if you have it, it says, I am going to read it in the English Standard Version. It says, and without faith... It is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's a good word right there. That makes me want to read it again. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. My question as we look at that verse is, what type of faith is the author speaking about? I believe that the faith that pleases God is an active faith. Say with me, active faith. Yeah, I didn't hear you. Say with me, active faith. There you go. Use your faith a little bit even to say that. What is active faith according to this verse? Active faith is faith that is married with action. It's not just the belief, but it is the action accompanying the belief. Let's look at the action words in the verse. If you read it, it talks about drawing, talks about believing, talks about receiving. I see action when I read that verse. All right? The reason these people made it to the list is because they decided to draw near to God. They understood his nature, that he exists. And they understood his economy, that he rewards. God is a good God. Let me say that again. God is a good God. You say, well, I don't come to God for his rewards. So I get it. We just sang about that. But he still rewards us. It feels good. Amen. I have good news for you tonight. If you came seeking the Lord, you're going to find him. If you seek the Lord, you're going to find him. That's just what the Word of God says. If you draw near to him and you believe in him, you're going to see incredible results. But faith, this whole faith thing is activated by action. Say with me, action. That, the phrase, by faith, is mentioned over 22 times in Hebrews 11. That, that, that prepositional phrase right there, by faith. By faith, it says, by faith, Noah, and it goes on to an account. By faith, Joseph, and it goes into an account. By faith, Sarah, and it goes into an account, right? Their action is declaring what they believed. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in Jesus? Okay, I see at least four hands. That's awesome. Let me ask that again. Do you believe in Jesus? Let me see your hand. All right, good. How are you showing or demonstrating what you believe? That is what I need you to be thinking about tonight. That is what this chapter is forcing us to think that. Faith begins with confession, yes, but it is proved and tested by our actions. So confession is good. What happens in the altar is good. That's the beginning. It is actually proven by your actions. All right. 
little quiet might be that you're thinking. You're thinking. That's good. That's good. I don't mind if you're thinking. So when I was little, I used to watch a show called Sesame Street. Some of you may be familiar with it. The only thing is that when I saw it, it was called Plaza Sesamo. Okay, same thing. It's just dubbed in Spanish. Okay? There was a song in there that I was thinking about when I was studying this book, and I was not going to sing it. But then I saw Pastor Johnny's last message when he started singing about Father Abraham, and I said, he would? Okay. That gave me some confidence to sing. I'm not a singer, but there's a song that I must remind you of. And it goes like this. <clears throat> Una de estas cosas no es como las otras, es diferente a todas las demás. Si dijiste que esa es diferente que las otras, has adivinado de verdad. All right, you know it? All right. That's it. That's, that's going to be it as far as the singing, I promise. This list was written for a Hebrew audience, and it is mostly Jewish people. But there's a name that jumps out in this list, and not just because the name is the name of a woman, which is rare enough in the ancient Near Eastern culture for a woman to be highlighted. That's rare enough. But this name is of a person that is not Jewish. It is the name of a Gentile person. So that jumps out. That to me is the thing that looks like, that doesn't look like the others, right? So Hebrews 11.30 speaks about this lady, and I want to read the verse. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Have you heard about Rahab? Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Rahab knew that the people of God were coming. She had heard about how the Lord had destroyed the Egyptians in the Red Sea, the army in the Red Sea. She had heard how the Hebrew people, God was giving them the land. God had given them a promise. God had given them a covenant. She heard about this. And she knew that there was even two kings, Gog and Magog, that they had already conquered before this. And so she heard about it. She knew that Jericho was devoted for destruction. Because the Lord had already given the Jewish people the city of Jericho. She knew it. But instead of panicking... She devises a plan. She plans her way out. How many planners in the house? Okay, okay. Faith sees redemption where others see destruction. Rahab sees this opportunity to save her life. Rahab was a smart lady, let me tell you. And she was shrewd. Say with me, shrewd. We don't use that word a lot, but Jesus did say, hey, sometimes unbelievers are more shrewd than us, like wise up, like wake up. When the spies came, she feared the Lord. And she, and she safeguarded the people of God. She hid them in her roof. Maybe she knew how to hide people. That was a thing from, her, from what she knew how to do. And so it, it worked to her advantage. And she hid them. 
And as she, at night, she goes up there to the roof because they're looking for these spies who are hiding now in Jericho. They're Hebrew spies. They're spying out the land. And you know what she does when she talks to them? It's like, I just saved your life. So I need you to promise me that you're going to save mine. She brokered a deal with the spies. Does that sound spiritual? It is actually. She brokered a deal with them. Others saw the army coming. Others saw destruction. Potential of destruction coming their way. Rahab saw a God-given moment. And I don't know what kind of life she lived until then, but let me tell you, she understood there was a God-given moment coming close to her, and she was not going to let that moment pass. This was her chance, and she was not going to waste it. The people of God were coming. The people that, that had the Lord, the God that she had heard of, were coming, and she did not waste her time. I don't know what kind of rumor you've been hearing about your family. I don't know what kind of situation you are in right now. But let me tell you, God has a way out of your hopeless situation. That's not just a statement that is proven by the word of God. God has a way out of your hopeless situation. Maybe you're super stressed about the conflict in Ukraine. And you're like, like this is crazy. This is, this is horrible. Like, I just see destruction. The eyes of faith look in that and say, oh, wow. Biblical prophecy is coming true. My redemption is coming near. My redemption is coming. Like, it's weird the way people of faith think. It's a good thing, actually. It's the way you're supposed to think. Where others see destruction, the people of God or those who have faith see redemption. Faith sees behind the scenes God working out his plan. The entire city of Jericho dies, and only one family was saved. That should bring us hope. Next, the second thing we learn from Rahab's story is that faith understands who is truly in control. The people of Jericho may have laughed at the idea of surrendering their fortified city to soldiers who didn't even have a ladder to scale up the wall. They mocked the very idea. Like, really, are you coming against me with, with worship? Like, seriously? They probably watched them walk for, for several days, thinking, are you serious? But Rahab, the word of God says in Joshua 2, 9, 11, I know that Jehovah had given you the land. Jehovah, your God, is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Rahab is confessing. I know your God is the real God. I know the earth and heaven belong to him like as 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 destruction is coming she's seeing hope she's seeing the god of israel she's seeing the spies she sees her chance and her hope she understands that that is the god who controls the situation here and not the crazy heathen environment where she's at rahab heard and believed faith comes by hearing what kind of report have you been believing like, what kind of news are you watching? Like, what kind of reports are you consuming? Are there a lot of bad news out there? Yes. Do I feel my ears and my heart with that? No. I feel my heart and my ears with the word of God and with the promises of God and with what is hopeful and, and amazing and beautiful and like thinking these things that are beautiful and worthy and holy and amazing. 
Did you know the Lord is in control of this universe? Did you know every government, every king's heart is in the hand of the Lord? Did you know that? Remember that. When things, when you are tempted to get a little bit stressed, which is, by the way, very normal and very human, but just remember who is truly in control of the situation. Can I get an amen on it? If you've been feeling some uneasiness lately with all the news and everything, I mean, let me tell you one quick uh, advice. Bring your family to Encounter Day. Like, go come get some peace. Come spend some time in the presence of God. Like, bring them all in and be like, you know what? We're going to serve Jesus. You know what? We're going to, like, like, like fortify this, this, the spiritual atmosphere in this house by coming to Encounter Day. Can I get an amen on that? Yes, that was a plug-in. Faith is willing to risk something. Faith is willing to risk something. Faith moves us to courage and boldness. By lodging the two Hebrew spies, Rahab was willing to risk her life. You understand? She didn't know what intentions these men had. What if they're the enemy, right? So they could have killed her. We don't know. Well, she didn't know anyway. Faith steps it up a notch. Because they believe in something greater. Faith believes in someone greater. My question for you in regards to that is, what are you risking for the Lord? Like, what are you attempting right now that, that requires faith? Like, what have you... Look, some, some of you are like, well, you know, I'm just... Sometimes I just share a verse on Facebook and like two people get mad at me. Like, I'm going through persecution, man. I'm like, I'm going through major, major hatred. They hate the Christians. I hear that stuff, and I sometimes want to laugh, and sometimes I want to get a little bit upset, to be entirely honest. Because I know stories like this one. A pastor that I know from Cuba who's telling me, would you pray for my friend? I'm like, what happened to your friend? Well, he's a pastor. The government's not happy that he's preaching the gospel. So they tried to recruit his son, the pastor's son, to, for the communist army. When the pastor said no, they took him by force. He didn't know where his son was, but they were torturing him. And they bring him back in a wheelchair because they hurt his feet so much he couldn't walk anymore. And they say, let's see if you continue to preach the gospel. Wow. And what, guess what that pastor did the next Sunday? Preached the gospel with his son right there next to him in the wheelchair, also preaching the gospel. Now, I look at that, and I'm like, uh, yeah, that's risking something. Like faith risks something. That is challenging to me. That's like another level of risk. Like figure out where you're at and then say, like, is this enough? Like, really, is this am I, what I'm living right now? Is this all God really wanted for me? Like, seriously, evaluate the level of faith you have right now. And yes, I'm throwing out a crazy example with this Cuban pastor, but it's, uh, it's, it's powerful. It's, it's a true one, too. I had a couple email me today. Pastor Marcos, we, tell me, let me know when your next mission trip to Ukraine is because we're on it. And I'm like, I loved it. I thought that email was awesome. I'm like, I know this couple, and I'm like, wow. Like, yes, let's go to Ukraine. Who goes to Ukraine now? Well, people who have so much heart, so much compassion, and so much belief, and so much faith in God that they know that they could be in the middle of Ukraine, even in this tension, and know that God would protect them. And they believe it is worth it to risk it all, even in Ukraine. I'm like, bring them all, bring them all. Let's do it, right? Now, we're not going to Ukraine right now, 
but we're going to some countries nearby. There's plenty of mission trips open. With every mission trip, there is a risk. Are you willing to take it? You pray about that. And yes, that was another plug-in. <laughs> On the day of destruction, the day everybody died in Jericho, Joshua tells his army, you're going to find a house with a red cord or a red cloth. Whoever is in that house, preserve them. Do not touch them. Like, I can imagine... With the minute the spies say tie that red cord, like, like she tied it immediately in the window, people are like, why does she have that red cord out of her window? And every day she's checking to see if that cord has fallen or not. I can imagine the first day of the first march, they're walking around and she's checking, is my cord still there? Is my my red cord's still there. Now, at this point, she's with her family. Mom, dad, uncle, brother, sister, everyone in her family is inside the house. Second day, wind is blowing. Is the cord still there? Is, is the cord still the, the, the promise. The cord symbolizes the promise. The cord symbolizes the protection. The red cord symbolizes, I'm sure you've heard, the blood of Jesus. The protection of Christ over a family. That reminds me of even the people of Israel when they... Uh, painted red uh, blood of the lamb around their doorposts to protect them from the angel of death. Third day around, is the court still there? Oh, God help us. They're praying. Guys, they're human. They're probably a little bit afraid, but they believe in the God of Israel so much. They understand that a covenant was made, and they understand that if that court is still there, they're going to be okay. Second, third, fourth, fifth, Sixth day, on the seventh day, it's loud. They're shouting, there's trumpets, they're worshiping. Is the red cord still there? See, that reminds me of, of spiritual mamas and spiritual papas, and I mean moms and dads in homes that are spiritual, that are taking care of their house, that are always wondering, is God's presence in this home? Are we praying enough? Are we putting enough worship? Like, are we, are we doing our family prayer gatherings like are we what are we is the court still there like is the covenant of God still over my home you need to be asking those questions because things are moving out there like the wind is moving there's wars there's rumors of wars there's armies marching and you better make sure that the blood of Jesus is over your house you better be sure that the blood of Jesus is covering your son your daughter like everyone and that everyone is safe in there not in fear, but in expectation. And even with fear, faith supersedes that because they understand that they're going to be okay. Seventh day, guys. There's a loud noise. And everything around them shakes. The entire wall of Jericho falls. The only part of the wall that doesn't fall is Rahab's house. I can imagine a thin section that's a miracle in itself, by the way, that a structure so big, so solid, would detach from that little segment and that part wouldn't fall. I don't know if there was angels going like this or what, what that was, but the Lord was protecting. And so that skinny little section called Rahab's house reminds me of the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous hide in it or lie in it. 
and they are safe. They are safe. What ended up was like a tower-like structure. They're in there. They're safe. They're okay because the Lord is with them. And they get rescued. And they get spared. Faith that is tested produces a reward. Say with me, reward. We read that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Rahab not only receives uh, uh, the, the sparing of her life, She's welcomed now into the family of God. She receives a new citizenship. Like she enters the covenant of the chosen people of Israel. If you want to read a little bit more about that, Psalm 87 talks about it incredibly. About how Rahab is now part of the covenant. But anyway, she's there. She's now part of this, of this new life. God gave her a new name, a new citizenship. All because of that one action. That one step of faith of like saving those pies and making a deal with them. She was bold. She was bold. Rahab, talk about generational blessings. Like, forget about generational curses, generational blessings. Like, from the rest of that life, Rahab was a channel of blessing to her entire descendants. Like, she went from being the shameful one, the one with the reputation, to the one the family said, it's because of you. What you did, we will not forget. Because of your faith, you saved our lives. And we believe in the God of Israel. Now, how do I know her descendants continue to serve the Lord? Because later on, she's actually in the Messianic lineage, in the genealogy of Jesus. Rahab is the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Pastor, that's kind of scandalous. A former prostitute. Family member of Jesus? Yes. I think it makes perfect sense. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend of the broken, of the lonely. It makes perfect sense to me. He's speaking that message from way back. The Bible is teaching us that message from way back. I love the broken. I love the rejected. I love the outcast. I love the Gentiles. By the way, I believe those 40 years in the deserts, some people say, well, it was because of the disobedience. What if it was God giving 40 years to Jericho to repent, but they wasted 40 years and did not repent? What if it was God's mercy and patience? And the only one that believed was Rahab, and she was the only one that was spared. What if? From a nobody to the lineage of the Messiah. Like, I want to encourage you tonight, don't live out your faith in drudgery. Don't live out your faith because you have to. Live it out expecting that the God that you serve is going to reward you. Like your faith is being tested for a reason. There is a reward, an outcome at the end. Like there is something coming. And it's okay to be happy about that. He will spare your life. He will reward your family. I'm going to ask worship to come to help me close here. Church, I want to encourage you today. Don't live this life by grit. Don't live this life by wit. Live this life by faith. And not just passive faith and not just confessional faith, which is good. But live it by active faith. That actually begins to do things that prove the faith that you say you have. Ask God to give you a new level of faith. Just tell him, Lord, 
Maybe I haven't been where I need to be. Maybe my faith has been a little, little low. Like, or maybe I've been discouraged lately. It's been a lot. Help. Like God doesn't mind that. He loves sincerity, honestly, and transparency. Maybe you got to say, Lord, what am I accomplishing for you? Like have a stop and think moment. Say, what am I accomplishing for you now? Is everything I'm doing based on my wisdom, my ingenuity, and my own strength? If it is, then that life is meh. You know that emoji? Meh. But if what I'm living challenges me enough that I have to be in prayer and live my life for God and really, really trust God for what I'm trying to accomplish, that's a life of faith. You understand? So God is calling faith assembly to live a life of faith. A life of action. A life at another level. Hero level. Action. Type of faith. Because that's what God wants to do with us. That's where God wants to take us. Guys, it took me forever to realize that God had a place for me at the table. Let me tell you what I mean by that. About 15 years ago, I was sitting in a pastoral meeting, pastoral staff meeting at another church. And I'm looking around at people around me and I begin to compare myself. Have you ever done that? Comparison is not good. <laughs> it's not good. I looked at someone, I said, man, this guy's second generation pastor, that's pretty cool. I looked at the other guy, he's third generation pastor. Now that's cool. I began to look at the pedigree, the ministry pedigree of those around me. And I began to think of myself less. Because I didn't come from a pastor's father, you know, anything like that. In fact, God saved me from sin, like from, from a rough background. He washed me and saved me. So I'm like, I don't know if I even belong here. And so as I'm putting myself down and allowing comparison to really steal my peace, I feel the Holy Spirit talk to me. And I feel him say, stop comparing yourself. As you look at those generations, someone in those generations that you're staring at had to choose me. Someone had to be first. I chose that in your family would be you. Your son will be able to say, my father is a pastor. Will you want your son will be able to say, and it just blew my mind. And I think, I don't know that I began crying because it was a staff meeting and they're going to think it's weird. Why is Pastor Marcos crying? I felt like it. But it just took me a while to realize it's not about my past. It's not about old labels. It's not about who's sitting at the table or what kind of pedigree I bring in. It's have I been washed with the blood and am I living the life of faith God wants me to live? When I die, I just don't want it to be written or said, well, Pastor Marcos, yes. He lived a peaceful life in suburban Orlando with his family and died. Like, I'd be upset if that's what is said about me. When I die, I want it to more be like, I don't know, he helped send 500 families to the mission field. Why not? I want it to be like, he gave so much money 
three new Faith Assembly campuses were built because of his offerings, right? I want it to be said, like, his entire family served the Lord henceforth, whatever you want to call it, and became pastors and ministers and lawyers and doctors. And so I want that to be said about me. I want that kind of genealogy. I want that kind of story told. Whenever there's a list, I want to be in that name of heroes because that list continues to be written. But not because I remained in confessional faith, but because I moved into active faith and heroic faith. Amen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.